what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents, as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we're talking about those next step decisions that sometimes must be made, whether it's hiring someone to help, placing a loved one in an assisted living or other facility, or stepping back and allowing the older adult to make his or her own decisions. There are lots of next steps as we journey with an aging loved one, and we want to be sure we are seeing the signs correctly and offering the most appropriate help whatever that is. Our interviewee for this podcast is Dr. Corinne Aumann. Dr. Aumann is a nationally certified guardian and professional member of the Aging Life Care Association, and she is the founder and CEO of Choice Care Navigators in Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Aumann received her PhD from North Carolina State University, where she studied developmental psychology with a specialty in adulthood and aging. She is an experienced educator and researcher, having worked at the Durham VA Medical Center, the Center for Aging at Duke at, at the Center for Aging at Duke University Medical Center, Presbyterian College, Elon University, and the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. She is currently on the faculty of Winston-Salem State University and is the author of the blog, Rocking Chair Secrets. She also is a member of the ACAP Guilford County Leadership Team and the ACAP Community Curriculum Advisory Council and our Research Task Force. And in all her spare time, she is a wife, mother, and daughter of aging parents. Corinne, I am delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for helping us understand these next steps. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Okay, so let, let's kind of take this from the top. Corinne, you and I both know how sometimes caregivers simply don't know when it's time to take the next step in caring for an aging parent or loved one, nor how to approach it. What is sort of the typical situation when adult children are trying to figure out what is the next step? Sure. So, um, most people who I encounter come to me saying something like, mom wants to stay home, but we don't think she should. We don't think it's safe. We think she's at risk in some way. And if you've got one child, they've got an opinion. And if you've got more than one adult child, you're going to have multiple opinions. So 
Um, you can get a lot of back and forth about what should be done, who thinks this or that. The first question I usually ask is, have you talked to your mom about that? Um, and if so, <laughs> and if so, what did she say? Uh, it's amazing how many times they haven't. The adult children have been talking amongst themselves about what they think needs to be done, but they haven't really talked to their parents about it. Um, if an older adult is, you know, cognitively intact, does not have dementia, uh, that's the first conversation you have to have is with your parent because they're adults. Uh, they're grown-ups, and they get to make their own decisions. You can have all the opinions that you want, um, but they get you know, to decide how they're going to live their life, um, and they get to make bad decisions if they want to. I have lots of conversations with adult children about how you know, I, as an adult, if I decide that I want to eat nothing but chocolate cake, breakfast, lunch, and dinner today, then I get to do that. It's a horrible choice. But if I do it, that's my choice. And their parents are the same way. They can um, make their own decisions about um, how they want to live as long as they have that capacity. If there are real concerns, then I say, okay, let's start with where are we at right now? What is the risk or crisis that has brought you to me to say, we need to talk about this. What do we really need to focus on? And that might be something like mom wandered off and got lost. She got lost in the car and that was really unusual. She put something on the stove to cook and um, forgot that it was there. So there's some event that has happened that is causing concern. So what do we need to deal with right now? Um, and what um, would be the resolution for that? And then the second piece is usually Let's think about what's going to happen down the road in the future. And that can be really tough, too, because we don't have a crystal ball, right? We know what we're dealing with right now, but we don't know what life is going to be like six months or a year from now. So that's also why I think it's really important to focus on where are we at right now, what's happening, and how can we resolve the current issue with the senior's input uh, for that solution. Okay, so how do you even know then if your parents need help? Are there some red flags to look for? What are, what are some signs? So safety issues, I think, are the number one thing that um, concern adult children. So I mentioned wandering. I mentioned getting lost while driving. Um, if your parents are having fender benders um, in the car, if they're cooking things and walking away and forgetting that it's on the stove, uh, if they're struggling to manage their own medications, those are all red flags. Uh, financial problems would be another red flag, but that's something that a lot of adult children don't catch until much later, simply because your parents aren't sharing their checkbook with you and they're, you know, they tend to want to keep that to themselves. And if they have been the victim of financial abuse in some way, they often hide that. They don't want to admit that that has happened because they're afraid that it will mean that like you, the adult children will take the checkbook, those kinds of things. So they're trying to keep that secret if it has happened. So often adult children don't know about financial issues until much later. Um, my busiest time of year is December and January because that is when, actually November in there too, um, 
when kids come home to see their parents and they're visiting Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, that's when they see that the dishes aren't done, that the lawn hasn't been mowed, that the mail is piling up. And um, it's scary to them because these aren't the parents that they've always known. And they realize that things have changed and that their parents haven't been admitting that they are struggling um, on a day-to-day basis. The parents also don't want to admit that they're struggling because they don't want their adult children to tell them what to do. Um, I often joke that if you're, if they changed your diaper, then they don't have to listen to you um, as an adult. And which makes people laugh. Uh, you know, everybody has a chuckle because we know it's true that they, if they changed your diaper, they don't want you bossing them around in any way. Um, <laughs> so that, sorry, that struggle that we see with the parents um, is the one of the biggest red flags and makes people pick up the phone to try to find resources and try to find help. You know, you you were talking about safety and the fact that our parents are adults and they get to make decisions. I can remember, you know, earlier in in my caregiving days for my mother, I can remember my mantra was safety is never negotiable. And I came to the point of realizing, no, it isn't yet there are times that we have to weigh out, do we put a bubble around them and protect them? Or do we give them the dignity of helping make decisions for themselves? Because they are an adult. And it, it that is a struggle for the adult child or for the loved one who is trying to journey with the parent or with the loved one. Um, yeah, all of this can be just such such a dance such a dance between the the adult child and the aging person. It's pretty scary for adult children to see our parents changing in in ways that that look to us to be really uh, a, a decline, not not a, on the not an on the uphill, not a, a positive direction. And this fear makes us want to help. And part of that helping so often, like I did so often, was trying to take over. <laughs> you know, we're going to tell you what, what you need to do because we are the wise ones and we have the insight and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of older parents are really resistant to that, like my mother. <laughs> but there, there are a lot of older parents who are resistant. They don't want to give up their independence, and none of us want to give up our independence. So how do you get your parents to listen to you? So again, if they changed your diaper, they don't want you telling them what to do. And that is true no matter who you are. You know, I have a PhD, and I work in this field every single day, and my own parents do not want to listen to me. You know, I'm their daughter. What do I know? Um, so if you're struggling to ha get your parents to listen to you and you have concerns, I would say getting a professional advocate, um, someone who is coming in from the outside, who does not have an agenda, who is not um, on your side or on your parents' side, who can talk to the family, hold the family discussion, um, and kind of walk you guys through the conversation can be super helpful. 
Um, So you could get someone like me who is a professional care manager, but it doesn't have to be that. You can also get someone who they trust, right? Their doctor, a minister, um, their financial advisor, any sort of trusted family friend are all good possibilities for people who could come in and kind of help lead the conversation about where we're at and you know what the concerns are and how we're going to move forward. Um, and I think having someone like that come in is really useful because you can have a meeting where everybody gets to be part of the conversation. Um, and we can talk about not only what the older adult wants, but also what the older adult does not want. Um, it's amazing how many times families really haven't had that conversation. You know, we kind of get in this circle of, I'm worried about you. I'm trying to change things. I'm trying to tell you what you should or should not be doing to keep you safe, just like what you mentioned. But um, we haven't really sat down and have a conversation about, you know, mom, dad, what do you want? And what do you absolutely not want as we move forward? And again, if that older adult is cognitively intact, they get to decide. And if they're sitting there and saying, I absolutely 100% do not want to move out of this house, then let's stop wasting time trying to convince them that they need to move. Because the more we try to convince them of that, the more they're just going to dig in their heels to say, no, I am not moving and you can't make me. (laughs) It's kind of that, like having, you know, it's the reverse, it's the child trying to parent their parents and your parents are going to react in the exact same way you did when you were a teenager. <laughs> like I'm not doing it just because you told me to. Exactly. Exactly. And, and again, yes, it's a child. Yes, it's a teenager, but the reality is none of us like to be told what we will and will not do. You know, this, this is, they are, our, our parents and our older loved ones are people too. They're not just our parents that need, for us to tell them what to do. Okay, but what if, what if the adult child really has concerns about the parents being safe? What do they uh, do? So that, is, that is probably the number one argument I hear for why um, a child is arguing that their parents need to move. Um, the catch is that nobody agrees about what safety is or how safe is safe enough. I love what you said earlier about that safety is non-negotiable. Well, whose level of safety? Yours or your mom's? Um, Because um, stairs are a great example. So many older houses have stairs in them, and a lot of them have only, only have bedrooms upstairs. And so there's this argument, mom, you know, you're frail, Your walking's not that good. You might trip and you might fall down the stairs. And so there's a lot of might, could, maybe these things are kind of happening or might be going to happen. And the kids are saying, you can't stay here because this might happen. This could happen. And the older adult is sitting there saying, I don't care. This is my house. And if I'm going to fall in my, if I'm going to fall, I want to fall in my house And if I'm going to die, I want to die in my house. And if that means that I'm going to fall and die at the bottom of my own stairs, I am okay with that. And that, you know, again, if they've got the cognitive abilities to make a good, you make a rational decision there, they have those decision making capabilities, then they get to say that they get to decide that that's what they want to do. 
And that is really, really, really hard for the adult child who is wanting mom and dad to be around and healthy and up and moving as long as possible, partly out of concern for them, partly, and I I will admit this went through my mind, that part of it too is, well, if you get hurt, I'm going to be the one who's picking up the pieces. And mm-hmm. so there's, you know, there is this real push-pull going on. And, you know, all of this reminds me, early, early days of ACAP, I remember that we had a, a woman sitting on the front row of a program. And the room was packed. And she raised her hand. Speaker was, I don't even remember what the speaker was talking about. But I remember this woman raised her hand and said, How do I get my mom to listen to me with my daughter? I have a built-in respect and a built-in, you know, you're going to do it my way kind of thing. With my mom, I don't have that at all. And it's exactly what you're saying. But no, if they changed your diaper, they're not interested. (laughs) And they have their own perspectives. And there are just a whole lot of dynamics going in together on this. So Corinne, what happens when the aging parent and the adult child or children just aren't finding that midpoint, just not getting any closer to an agreement? You just have to realize that you may never agree. You you may never get your parents to meet you halfway. They may never do what you want them to do, and they get to make those choices. Um, You don't have to like it. It's, it's not your parents' job to make you like their decisions. It's just not. Um, so for some kids, that's really hard to hear, right? Because they do. They want to protect them. They're worried about what's going to happen. Like you said, I'm going to have to pick up the pieces if something goes wrong. But, you know, it's also not your parents' job to make sure that you don't have to pick up the pieces later. If they've got that decision-making capacity, they get to do that. Um, So that's really hard for kids to hear sometimes, but it can also be a big relief for kids to hear. Um, If your parent says that, you know, says, this is what I want. This is, you know, here's why I've made this decision. Here's what I want. Here's what I don't want. It can be a relief because then now if mom does fall down the stairs and lays there for 12 hours um, because nobody was there, you don't have to feel guilty. Because you had the conversation and you knew that this was what she wanted. She wanted to be in her own house with her own stairs and she knew the risks. So it doesn't mean you're going to feel good about it. That That's not what I'm saying at all. But you can at least go into the situation knowing mom made her decisions. She was doing what she wanted to do um, and choosing how she wanted to live and you know, most of us, if we can project ourselves into the future um, and think of ourselves as a 70, 80, 90 year old, we're going to want to live how we want to live, right? We're going to want to be able to make our own own choices. And if you kind of frame it that way about, you know, she is getting what she has wanted and what she asked for, it really takes a lot of the pressure off the adult child, a lot of the guilt off the adult child for keeping them safe, keeping them protected in some way, which you might feel like is your responsibility, but ultimately isn't if they're you know, making their own decisions and capable of doing that. And, and, and that's really the key is recognizing 
what our responsibility is and what our responsibility is not. We talk a lot, a lot about boundaries and that we need our boundaries. And part of that is just that boundary issue. And yes, it is hard if we, if we buy into the concept that we are supposed to take care of our, our parents or loved ones, uh, you know, to the ultimate degree. Yeah. Now, and you, the, the, the reframe I would do there is to say, taking care of them means helping them live the life they want to live, not just keeping them safe. Good, good. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so so I I understand that you're ta- that you're talking about adults who have decision-making capacity. What about those times or those adults, those older adults who think they still can make decisions, but actually really can't? They have a diagnosis of dementia or a diagnosis of cognitive impairment. What about those kinds of situations? Sure. So that's obviously more difficult. Um, And I really think the beginning stages of cognitive change, um, any kind of cognitive change, be it dementia or just mild cognitive impairment, Um, are the most difficult because the first thing that typically goes for most older adults in those situations is their insight into their own decision-making. So insight and judgment um, are the first things that become impaired. And they're often still aware that they have a problem. So that beginning stage where that older adult is starting to show cognitive difficulties they are aware that they are having cognitive difficulties and they are scared and they are fighting for their independence. So they are often fighting you tooth and nail over every little thing because they know something is wrong and they are, they are trying to hold on to their life and their independence as tightly as they can. The biggest thing for me when that, when we're in that stage is really education for the adult children Because it's very hard when you're going through that and your parent is arguing with you about that, you know, they think they still have the ability to make decisions. They still think they're making good decisions. And they're, you know, it's this kind of constant bickering with them about what could or should happen. And so the thing for me with the adult child is to tell them, not arguing with you on purpose, usually. Maybe some parents are (laughs) arguing on purpose, but for the most part, they aren't. They really do still think that they have good decision, decision making abilities and that they can still be independent and be safe. Even if you and everybody else can see lots of evidence that that is not true, they still think they can because they can't. Again, they don't have that insight into the poor decisions that they are making already. So I want adult children to understand that when they're arguing with you, they're, they're arguing with you from a legitimate place. It doesn't have to, it doesn't mean they're right about it, but you know, that's where they're coming from. The other thing is you really want to get all of your legal documents like healthcare power of attorney, financial power of attorney, you want to get all of those things done um, either before any, everyone should have these documents. We should all have these documents regardless of how old we are. 
because I could go outside, you know, this afternoon and get in my car and be in a car accident and be in a coma. And somebody needs to have decision making capabilities for me if that were to happen. So everybody should have these documents. But if you don't have them and you get far enough along into dementia, then you're going to get to a point where you're not legally able to sign documents giving someone healthcare power of attorney and financial power of attorney. And that gets really scary because then you as an adult child or a loved one, you're not going to be able to keep them safe because you don't have the legal ability to to take their name off the bank account to or to um, you know put fraud alerts on the bank account so that if they spend over a certain amount of money, you get an alert, things like that. You've got to have those abilities in place before the dementia progresses to a point that they can't sign those documents. If you don't have them, you'll end up in a situation where you're going to have to pursue something like legal legal guardianship. And that, you know, who you don't want the courts involved unless they absolutely have to be. I, I want to reinforce that. I want to reinforce because so many people don't that we put it off. We think, ah, I've got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. I want to reinforce that not only do our parents need the documents, but we, regardless of what age we are, we need them. You know, I always tell people anytime I'm doing a presentation or talking to any group, you know, I'm I'm in my 40s. I have a will. I have a living will. I have healthcare power of attorney. I have financial power of attorney. We have all those documents in place because you just don't know. And everybody should have them. And really, the minute your kids turn 18, you should put those documents in place because once they turn 18, they're an adult. And you, if they get in an accident or things happen, you want to be in charge of their health care. And you're not if you don't have those documents in place. That is really good. That is, and I know a lot of the people who are listening to our podcasts are younger, are like in their twenties and thirties and early forties, and it certainly is awfully easy for people that age to think, "Oh golly, I'm not going to think about death. I'm not going to think about being, you know, really incapacitated." So no, I've got plenty of time to do that. But that is really, really important. What you're saying. And I'll give you an example of my parents not listening to me right here. So again, I'm, I'm in this field. I um, do this work with this stuff all the time. I could not get my parents to do um, powers of attorney and that sort of thing until COVID hit. During COVID, um, for whatever reason, that convinced my parents that it was time to do those documents. And so we got them done during COVID. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the, you know, the scare of the pandemic and that that just made it more real to them, that sort of thing. But that I took advantage of the moment. I said, great, let's go get it done. Yes. Um, I, my mother had all of her documents, but then she had moved and there were lots of changes. And literally it was the day that she went into hospice that she said, Hmm. I think I need to take care of these things. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's waiting till the last minute. Yeah. 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 Not, not the way to do this. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On what are the documents? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Okay, so we've talked a lot about safety issues uh, that might make us want to take the next step. What about socialization? So that's another big issue that uh, safety is the number one issue that brings people to kind of a, we need to make changes place. Um, socialization is another big one. And it the pandemic taught us anything. It taught us that we need socialization. We need other people. And the isolation that older adults experienced during COVID and during shutdown, um, that really proved that socialization is really important for our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health, um, all of those things. So sometimes kids want their parents to move just because they know that they're really socially isolated, especially if your parents live in a rural area where, you know, it's harder for them to get around to see people, you know, they've got to drive a long way or there's just not anybody that lives very close by. Um, but the same rules apply for socialization as safety. If they have decision-making capacity, then they get to decide. You can you can take them on all the tours of senior living communities that you want, but you can't make them go uh, unless they decide that that's what they want to do. Yeah, I can remember when my mother was still living in her in her home alone that I would get so concerned because she she and I would talk frequently and she would tell me that, oh yeah, no, she hasn't been outside the house in two or three days. And I would just get so concerned about that. And now five days now I am on Zoom a lot and in phone calls a lot. So it's a little bit different for for me than it was for her. But still, it's the same concept. And the bottom line is that, it, yeah, it is up to that person that they get to decide what is right for them, uh, whether it's in their home, in their community, whether they have um, connections and, and interactions with people or whether they don't, that that cadence is up to them. Mm-hmm. So, so we've been talking a lot about parents who are choosing their own path and the adult kids letting them do that. What about the situations where the adult child is supporting their parent by providing care to the parent? How do those adult children know when it's time for the next step? Yeah, so... Um, You know, there are a lot of adult children out there who have become the primary caregiver for their aging parents. Um, And that, you know, usually starts off with us just doing little things for them, right? Like your parents, maybe they need help paying the bills or they need to help get you to help them order groceries online or arrange for somebody to mow the yard. You know, so it's you're helping them out, but it's not too much. It's kind of part-time support that, that we all want to do for our parents, right? You're just, and most people don't even think about that as caregiving. They just think about that as being a good son or daughter. Um, but then as our parents age and become, they have health changes, they become more frail, then the care needs get bigger, right? So what was once a part-time, um, you know, every once in a while sort of help now is starting to become more of an everyday occurrence. So now your parents may be starting to need some help with bathing and dressing and grooming. Um, So stuff, you know, these activities of daily living that has to be done pretty much every day. And a lot of adult children, um, I call it caregiver creep because you, you started off doing a little and now you're doing more and a little more 
and a little more until you find yourself in this position where you're spending many hours of your week over at your parents' house providing care. And if you are in that situation and you are starting to kind of ask yourself, is it time to get help? Is it time to move? Is it time to change this in some way? Um, if, if you're thinking that, it's probably time to at least start looking into some support services, maybe hiring somebody to come in and do some of the things that, that you've been doing, um, because you're already thinking about it, even if you haven't taken action yet. Um, caregiver burden is a big red, red flag for me, um, and because caregivers do get burned out. Um, they will exhaust themselves trying to be the caregiver for their loved one. Um, so if you're saying things like, I'm exhausted, I don't have any time for myself, I love my mom so much and I want to do everything for her, but I need a break then that's a situation where we need to talk about how can we get you some resources, get some help. Um, often caregivers are reluctant to do that, to get help, because they feel like I ought to be able to do it. I, you know, My mom raised me. She took care of me. She did everything for me. I ought to be able to handle this. And one of the things I say a lot to families is caregiving is a marathon and not a sprint. I think a lot of us go into it thinking it's a sprint. Like, I can do this. I'm going to care for them. I love them. They were great to me. I'm going to do this. And we're thinking it's going to be three months, six months. Whereas most caregiving journeys are an average of about five years, but can be up to 20 years if your parents have dementia or if they have multiple sclerosis. One of these diseases that just very slowly over time progresses. So we've really got to find the resources that can allow them to get some help, to get some rest, um, and utilize them. Um, that's the thing. Not only find them, but then actually put them um, into place. Because running yourself ragged, running yourself into the ground as a caregiver is not going to do you or your loved one any good um, whatsoever. And there's lots of studies out there now that actually show that um, caregivers often die before the one, the person that they're caring for because they've just, they've just physically exhausted themselves and not paid attention to their own health. And then they end up sick um, and, and not able to care for themselves or the person that they were the caregiver for. Right. That's that proverbial airplane, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Absolutely. But, you must. You absolutely must. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corinne, you know, when we were first talking about this and I said, gee, I wish I had heard this. I, I wish I had had this conversation with you 10 years ago, you know, before I was really in the midst of it with, with my mother. Um, this has been really, really good. What, any final thoughts, any, anything that we haven't talked about? I don't know that I have anything we haven't talked about, but I, I'll say that my, my main theme when I'm talking to families is we have to maintain the dignity of our older adults by respecting their wishes as much as possible. That's where the conversation has to start. Um, the safety issues are there, absolutely, but nothing in life is one, ever 100% safe, and we probably wouldn't want it to be. Life would not be very interested, interesting 
that way. Um, but most older adults that you talk to are really not that concerned about safety. What they're concerned with is enjoying the time they have left. They have a sense of urgency about that time and they, they value it and they want to spend it in ways that they enjoy. Um, and that is more important to them than safety. And so we really have to take that into consideration and honor their wishes as much as we can. That is, that is just such good insight and such important for us to hear, to really understand that, that it really is that, that we may have a very different perspective from our parents, but it is their life and they get to, they get to decide if Mm -hmm. They are able to make decisions. They get to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Corinne, thank you so much. This has been such good information. And I'm sure that there will be lots of people who will be very interested in all of this. Thank you also to you who are our listeners. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you will share it with others you think may may be interested and may benefit from it. Before we end, we certainly want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast and all our podcasts. We are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community podcast on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other programs you'd like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often, CAP, regardless of our age, our background, our education, or career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.